with me, you never know what's going to come out of my mouth. Wait, what happened? Hey everybody! Hey there fellow space cadets! You're listening to Chris and Marco. And welcome to the Contrast Podcast, where we rehash some of our favorite destinations and spill the tea on some of our shenanigans. Join us as we attempt to pitch a tent on the moon. So buckle up bitches, it's gonna be one bumpy ride. What are we talking about this evening, Chris? Let the listeners know. We are talking, dear Marco, about Valletta, a.k.a. the walled city. And where can we find Valletta, for those that don't know? Good question. I suppose not everybody would actually know. Not even I knew about this place until you told me about it, actually. Really? Mm-hmm. Seriously? Kid you not. That surprises We'll get me. into that in a bit. Huh. Well, yeah, it's the capital of Malta. Uh, and Malta is a very, very small island. Effectively, it's basically in the middle of the Mediterranean. It's south of Sicily. I think it's about a two-hour ferry from Sicily something like down that, yes. to Malta. Yeah. And it's a really, really lovely place. It's got a hell of a lot of history. It's older than day itself. It's been the center of conflict for a long, long time long time occupied by different empires and whew, and it's very very beautiful yeah it's awesome it's amazing but i love that walled city not many things take my breath away but i must say the first time i saw valletta because this was a destination that once again i had no idea about and i will never forget you ended up going to valletta to malta and you told me about it and I was like, man, I would love to go there. That sounds amazing because you painted a really pretty picture. Did I? And I was like, okay, where the hell is Malta? Let me go and find out. And, you know, kind of my research and whatever, I find out that this place, as we said, is really old. It's been inhabited since basically 5,900 BC. So that's even before the pyramids was built. Shit. I didn't even know that. It's located in the center of the Mediterranean, as you've mentioned already. And because of its position... It's been a very strong strategic point for like the naval powers in the Mediterranean. And it's been basically inhabited by the Phoenicians, the Carthaginians, the Romans, the Greeks, the Arabs, the Aragonians, the Knights Order of St. John, the French, and the British as well. The country only got its independence, I think, around about 1964, 1963, somewhere like that. Shit. But because all of these people inhabited Malta, they've left little bits of themselves in Malta itself and Valletta itself it is absolutely absolutely breathtaking I remember the first time because I went there because of my job so that's interesting because then you would have seen it yes you would have approached it by sea which not many people compared to you know your conventional traveler would experience it from mind-blowing like I said, I had no reference point. I was just excited to go to Malta because you told me about Malta and you had an amazing time in Malta. And then we get to Malta. So we're sailing into the port of Valletta. Oh my God. I was absolutely blown away because you're sailing into the bay and all around you is just these high walls. Yeah. 
and everything is like, I don't know, but is it limestone or marble? I don't know what it is, but it's just from... It must be limestone, I don't know. I mean, I was going there with a cruise ship, right? So mm. our ships are usually about 14, 15 decks, like above the waterline. It's about 10 decks above the waterline. So it's, it's quite high. How many meters is that? Girl, you're asking the wrong one, mm. but it's high. And me standing at the top deck, I was still not able to, we would not clear how high the level of the city kind of went. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. But like, guys, Google it and you will know what I mean. Like from the waterline up, the city goes up like really, I don't know how, but I guess they built it that way to kind of defend itself from any attacks or whatever. Yeah. And it's great that not only did they, were they effective, I suppose, in constructing a formidable barrier around the city, but it's also just beautifully designed. It really is. And I love that about ancient civilizations. But I don't think I've been anywhere that is so well-preserved. We can't even say it's well-preserved because it looks like it's never been touched. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. time has not touched Valletta whatsoever. Yeah, that's very true. But I think when you were coming in, because Valletta is, I think it's northeast part of the island? Yeah, something like that, yes. I think it's southeast of the island. No, no, no. It's, no, it's north. It's facing Italy. I know it's facing Italy, but if you look at it, it's like a little... How can I put it? Okay, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. So you could maybe say the eastern side of the island then. It's the eastern side of the island, the southern bit of yeah. the island, but the, the city itself is facing north. Yeah, it's the tip of the southern part of the island, which is a confusing thing to say, but that's Very confusing thing to say. <laughs> I mean, normally when we're talking about tips, it's a straightforward point for you. Girl, now don't get into my damn business though. Don't put my business on blast. Once again, I feel like you love to put my business on blast. <laughs> like seriously, guys, I feel like Chris is just here to like put my business on blast. But y'all can find me on Instagram, though, slide into the DMs. <laughs> Is this, a, is this an opportunity for you to promote your Insta account? Do people need to know your handle? No, that's not the point. They will find out if they want to know. Mm. That's good. That was a trick question, but I know you were prepped for answering that. Of well course. Of course. <laughs> but sailing in and viewing the walled city head on effectively, you wouldn't have been able to notice it at the time. But once you'd walked around Valletta, you would have identified this particular landmark. You would have seen the Baraka Gardens. Yes. As we sail in, that's right next to where the ship usually docks. Beautiful, beautiful gardens. Absolutely beautiful. Quite high up as well. And just overlooking that whole port marina. And then if you walk around another part of the perimeter of the gardens, you can look back over Malta. It's just stunning. It's been done so well. Really I, I don't even know how old it is, but man, it's pretty as all hell. And I was there, I think, over the course of three months, I was there every second week. Oh, uh, epic. It's funny, though. I've been there many times, but if you ask me, because there's all these little whiny little roads, and it's basically a foot town, the old town itself. Like, you kind of walk it by foot. It's not huge, but it's not tiny either. Yeah, that's true. That's a good way of putting it. It's definitely one that you walk around. But when you were there, were you staying in Valletta itself or were you in a different part of Malta? So I was there in 2016 in May for just shy of a week. And then I had to return again 
in July that same year, 2016. And this time for nearly two weeks. My God, you go to some place that I've never even heard of twice in one year. One word, rich bitch. <laughs> Technically, I was there for work. So my flight was at the company's expense. That's what you like to say, but we know the truth. You were just there for some fun times. No, 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 over no. Now. I'm going to leave the listeners in a state of mystery, rather. But mm-hmm. just to say I was there for work. I wasn't really there for play. For peaches. I wasn't there for peaches, yeah. <laughs> you probably there for peaches and eggplants. Oh, no, honey. I am there for the peaches. I bring the peaches, honey. Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. I'm a deciduous fruit. Yeah, because deciduous means to fall down. (laughs) Then I am a deciduous fruit. Yes, honey, who does his yoga every day? Falling down in the hopes that someone will catch you, Marco. (laughs) Oh, push and lift me up. Hello. (laughs) Push you up and turn you around. Just call me a helicopter. I could say so much more, but I really don't want to. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're nasty like that. Let's just say that skit from one of Trevor Noah, this African comedian's first live stand-ups, when he's talking about a particular politician wanting to mimic the sitting president at the time. It's just an image that comes to mind. Um, oh, mm. But we're going to leave that one unsaid. So anyway... You were being a rich bitch and you were in Malta twice in 2016. I was there twice. So let us know about that fantasy. I'm not agreeing that I was a rich bitch. That's not what happened. But I was certainly there twice. And unfortunately, I didn't stay in Valletta either time. But I was based in Sliema Bay, which is northwest along the coastline of Valletta. And that's a very, very nice area. Sliema Bay is... Quite a popular tourist destination, I would say. It's like the touristy spot, yeah. Yeah. But it's also sought after residential area for local residents. Yeah. The property apparently is quite pricey. So it's kind of like our yeah. Camps Bay, Landadno type of vibe. That is kind of like the vibe that Sima Bay is because you've got the nice bars there and yeah. all of those things. Yeah, it is viewed as a sort of elite area to live in and it's loved by its inhabitants. But I don't blame them because it's beautiful. I would imagine then if you were based primarily in Valletta... With your work schedule, you didn't really explore outside of a letter? No, no. I was so taken aback. I mean, I have seen a shitload of places in my life. I was so taken aback by how beautiful Valletta itself is. I cannot stress this enough. It's such an untouched gem that I just wanted to... Every single time I was there, I was very happy to just get some lunch, walk around and soak up the place. That's literally all that I wanted to do. Because I knew I would never, ever in my life go to a place like this. Never. And I've been to Angkor Wat. I've been to the Taj Mahal. Not that I'm saying that this beats the Taj Mahal, but I've been to the Taj Mahal. But this was... Different. It was like a living, breathing exhibit. Like the Taj Mahal, it's something to look at. It's static. Yeah. Anchor what? No one loves it anymore. It's something aesthetic. But Valletta itself, it is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Yeah, the whole city. But it's a living, breathing UNESCO Heritage Site. And don't even at me. This is to the listeners. Yeah. I have been to Dubrovnik Old Town and Valletta will beat Dubrovnik any single day of the week. 
Really? Me personally, I think Veleta is way prettier. Interesting, because I haven't been to Dubrovnik. So you've, you've never been to Dubrovnik? No, no, but sorry, carry on with what you were saying. Don't get me wrong, Old Town Dubrovnik, my God, it is absolutely mind-blowing. It's beautiful, but you can see time has touched it. You definitely can see time has touched Old Town Dubrovnik. Well, yeah, because it was subject to serious bombing, I think, during the Yugoslavian war. Yes, but Valletta saw some fire in... Which was not that long ago. Valletta, I know, that was like 1992, 93, I think that... Early 90s, yeah. It was early 90s. But Valletta was also bombed to high guard during, during World War II. So they also saw a little bit of fire, but that's not, not to say who was worst of whatever. I just personally, I just love Valletta more. Hmm. Okay, that's interesting. I think also Dubrovnik is a little bit more touristy, whereas Valletta is not. It's touristy, but it's not like Dubrovnik. Well, perhaps now that people have found out about it by listening to our podcast, it's going to become a lot more popular, eh, Marco? And the, the Maltese government can write us a check. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> um, so I was in Slema Bay and... I was staying there in, a, in yeah, hotels, which was quite nice. And I must say, it is really beautiful. And it is, you're right, it's kind of like the Bantry Bay, Atlantic seaboard of Malta. Mm. And there's just this extensive, beautiful promenade running all the way. I mean, you can walk from the entrance of Valletta along this beautiful promenade all the way until you get to St. Julian's Bay, which is also a beautiful part of Malta. It's just a little bit further along from Slema Bay. And I'd love it. I'm a sucker for a promenade walk. Oh, yes, we know. <laughs> he does it every damn day. <laughs> and if I don't, I feel like a mild oncoming of depression. I mean, that's a bit exaggerated, but I do like being outdoors. And I love walking along the coastline. So there's a lot of that, which is awesome. I love that. But I did notice as well, because I was there in April, as I said, and then I was there in July. So what is significant about that is that I was there in spring, effectively. And then I was there again in the middle of summer. And it was quite interesting to be able to contrast those two seasons and to have two very different feels of the same place. Because in spring, as you would expect, it's slightly more moderate climate. There's far less tourists there. And... It's a little bit colder, so there's less people, you know, tanning mm -hmm. and such. But it's beautiful. But it's just nice and quiet. And I, I enjoy that from time to time. Actually, I enjoy that a lot, some quietness. Because European summer is frantic. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, I actually prefer, and maybe you can comment on this, but I prefer to travel around Europe. If I'm wanting to explore and see touristy things and view sites and all of that, I find it's better to travel around Europe in springtime. Yeah. Definitely spring, especially Paris. Don't even set foot there in summer. Good Lord. Oh, yeah. Don't yeah. fool yourself. Go in spring, mm. quiet, even the end of winter. Because it's, it's just not nice. But I don't know Malta in spring. But girl, I know Malta in summer. Mm -hmm. Tell them about it because it, it is a lot. I find it interesting because as I was walking along the promenade, just repeating an activity that I thoroughly enjoyed doing and 
I was doing it in the springtime and then I was doing it in the summertime. And in the summertime, I just noticed how many people just tan, <laughs> just lie on the rocks on the water's edge, just tanning, just sprawled. Sometimes nude, sometimes topless. Some, you know, most of the time, people wearing bathing suits. Gotta love Europe. But just people tanning, and I thought that was pretty awesome. It was just quite funny because they weren't tanning on a beach. They didn't have the luxury of sand. They had to settle with rocks. Mm. But I guess then you really are cooking. Then it's like a kebab and then some, you know. But it's hot in summer, though. Gee was especially if you're walking in Valletta. I don't know if it's marble or limestone. I feel like I want to say the walls are limestone. But it's polished. Mm, it is polished. But, honey, that heat is in that town like a mofo. Yeah. You can't walk there without a drink. Now, you know me. I like me some drinky drinks. Yes, you do. And I remember the first time that I was in Valletta. It was so hot. I just didn't want to do anything at all. So we would dock. The minute we would dock, you walk out of the port. And as you're walking out of the port, there was a duty-free shop. Ooh. And I went to the duty-free shop and I noticed, God, but the alcohol is cheap up in this island. Well, what was cheap to me, maybe it's not cheap to everyone else. But you could get like little mini bottles of Jim Beam, mini bottles of Bailey, mini bottles of Jack Daniels. And to me, it wasn't that expensive. If you think... If you go to Europe and you get a cocktail in a bar, you're going to pay about 12 euros for a drink, roughly. Mm, but yeah. you could go to the little duty-free shop there and I would pay, I remember, I think, 950 euros for a mini of Bailey's. And that's about nearly, about 450 mils, which for 950 euros, girl, that's not bad. Oh, that's not bad, actually. That's not bad at all. So me and my really good friend, we decided to go because it was a flip, man. It was hot that day. So we got ourselves some Baileys and we walked along like the water level kind of, not up to Baraka Gardens, but just like kind of like next to it. Yeah. And we found like a little place with the boats, you know, like the fishing boats, not like fishing boats, like, you know, like the, like the little private little mini yacht i wouldn't even say it's a yacht like you own like a little fishing boat or whatever just for yourself and for yeah. your friends and family a little pleasure craft yeah like a little pleasure craft to be found there and i sat like on the edge of the little water and she went into the ocean because the ocean is even in valletta itself it's even though it was close to the port beautiful it's, it's clean. crystal clear the water which i was so you could see all the way to the bottom i was very tempted to yep. jump in as well but girl i don't like open water because i don't trust open water because my gay ass i will drown <laughs> i just know it i will panic and i will just no gone <sighs> oh dear so we had a very lovely afternoon just sitting there with our little baileys she's swimming her heart out Having the time of her life. She's such an amazing person. I must say, anyone from Peru is good in my books. Oh, uh, yeah? And she's from Lima. Such amazing people. I don't know anyone from Peru. I am very blessed to say that I know quite a few people from Peru. And I cannot wait to go to, to Lima. This particular friend that I'm actually talking about, she... I don't know how this happened, but I... Through her, like her mom messages me as well and she asks me, how am I doing? And it's very sweet, very sweet. Oh, that's and sweet, yeah. we called the other, like a few days ago, we called and her mother's like, when are you coming to Peru? You need to come, you come stay here with us. I'm like, you didn't need to invite me twice. I'm on my way, girl. 
And my friend told me, you can only come to Peru on one condition. The minute I see you at the airport, you need to say, carajo, viva Peru. I'm like, I know what that means. I speak enough Spanish to know what that means. What does that mean? It's kind of like, if you... Peru. It's apparently it's a thing over there. I don't know. Listeners, let me know because okay. I don't want to go to Lima and make a fool of myself when I get to the airport yeah. gate and I start shouting this. But anyway, me and my friend were just chilling at the little dock area. She's swimming and we just passing this bottle of Bailey's back. Man, I tell you, after that bottle of Bailey's, I felt positively Irish because I was not walking straight afterwards. And I love <laughs> me a good Bailey's. If anybody want to give us something, Bailey's is the way to go, go. <laughs> Speaking of Irish, I did notice when I was walking from Sliema Bay in a more of a western direction along the promenade to get into St. Julian's Bay, that there was a Dubliner there. And it just got me thinking that I think almost anywhere that I've been, especially port towns, there's a Dubliner. Girl, Dubliner. It's everywhere. If, and if it's not a Dubliner, there's always Always at least one Irish pub, wherever I've gone. But I always find with like a Dubliner, a bad night always ends good at the Dubliner. If you're having a shit night, go to a Dubliner, it will fix it. That is true, actually. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. The one year in town, if you're having a bad night and nowhere else is popping, you go to the Dubliner and it's positively <laughs> popping there. <laughs> Long Street's not my favorite street, but I know what you mean. No. I avoid Longstreet like the plague, but I will admit, I do visit the Dubliner. Yeah. If everywhere else is acting up, you know the Dubliner is going to love you. <laughs> Especially correct. that little like dance floor above the Dubliner. That's quite fun as well. Good Lord. Don't even get me started on the balcony. And there's something for everybody there. If you want like someone gay, you got it. If you want someone sick, you got it. And also the international crowd likes to move there as well. Yeah. It's a cute Sabutsu option though. Yeah, that's true. It's very nice. A bit young though. It's, it's mostly like university students that are going there, which isn't really my scene, but... Yeah. <laughs> really, Luigi? Don't lie to us right now. <laughs> Don't lie to I'm us right now. I'm more of an older woman sort of thing, Marco. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You... <laughs> the devil is busy with his lies today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I was thinking that what's going on now, I see. The devil is busy with his lies today. <laughs> but anyway... Due to the nature of my backroads lifestyle, I've had the opportunity to sit in some very interesting hair grooming situations. I've had my hair cut by a sushi chef who would sneak rum in a Pepsi can so we can have a drink while he cuts my hair. A very sweet tailor who was good with his hands also tackled my situation while I was on the road. All of that just makes my travel tapestry so much more colorful. But like any traveler, home will always be where the heart is. So when I get back to Cape Town, chief on my list, is sitting down with the Queen of Cuts himself, Brian from Broke's Hair in Greenpoint. I can always count on Brian and his team to make me look immaculate for my homecoming. Check them out. You can find them at 57 on Main, Greenpoint, or drop them a WhatsApp to make an appointment. 071-402-4664. That's 071-402-4664. While we're on the topic... Go check their website, www.blokeshair.com. That's www.blokeshair.com. And if you'd like to whet your appetite on their artistry, check out their IG at blokeshair. And before I forget, just like my old sushi chef, who supplied me with under-the-counter rum, 
You can have a cut and a libation, be it a beer or coffee or cognac. It's all included in the price, but unlike the sushi chef, this was all above board, I promise. Slima Bay and the Dubliner, you were busy telling us about that. Yeah, so naturally I had, I had a few Guinnesses when I was there because I do love Guinness. I haven't had one since I've discovered that I've been gluten intolerant, so I'm not sure how that's going to go down, but I think I can make an exception for Guinness because that's, that's a dessert. It's so tasty. I don't know if you drink Guinness. I can't drink Guinness You can't? All. Ooh, something you can't drink, Marco. Because it's not vegetarian. It's the one beer that I know under the sun that's not vegetarian. It's the weirdest thing ever. Why? Is there milk in there? No, they use some sort of like a fish oil inside of the barrels and it kind of seeps into the beer. Okay. That's why I can't drink Guinness. Okay. It's the only beer that I know that does that. But you enjoy... We know your, your throat is going to be like a desert the next day. I know. Or no, that, that same night. But I must say... <laughs> So precious. I did begin to realize from that experience in Malta that you would have heard the saying, the closer to Dublin, the better the Guinness. Mm, mm, mm. I have never, but I can see that that's true. Yeah, well, it's a saying and it's certainly true because in South Africa where Guinness is imported, it tastes good, you know. But then I found that when I was drinking it in Malta, it tasted better. And then when I went to Dublin at the source, and I indulged in Guinness straight from the tap at the brewery, it was exceptional. I mean, it's really nice everywhere, but then in particular, it was just next level. And I proceeded to have quite a few when I was in Dublin, but I think we're gonna leave that for another conversation in the future, because Dublin- Yes, I wanna hear about you going to the motherland. Yes, it is my motherland. Dublin is incredible. Um, But anyhow, so speaking of drinks, And speaking of an Irish pub, there is a particular... And speaking of Gladiator, actually, this intersects with that too. Mm. Speaking of an Irish pub, there is a pub in Valletta called The Pub. Wow, how original. Which is great, because then you can find it. (laughs) And this pub kind of became my watering hole. Look, it was a little bit of a mission to get there from Sliema Bay... But when we were around Valletta, that was the place to go. Great atmosphere. I remember I was there with a friend and we met the owner. Really, really cool guy. I think he was Irish. This is a few years ago. My memory's not quite what it used to be. And I just remember having a really good time there. And that's when I really developed my parrot palate. Not parrot. <laughs> where I developed my palate and enthusiasm for Guinness. In fact, you know, that's where I think I developed the phrase when I was slightly under the influence, gin yes. What? It's not even a question. Gin yes. Oh, gin yes. Oh my God. You and your little isms as well. Mm, yeah, yeah. So If you bold it, they will come. Exactly. <laughs> and we know you like things that come. <sighs> Size in gay. <laughs> but this place, Marco, is very cool. It's quite small and intimate, but it's very cool. But it's... I like tiny pubs. Yeah, it's quite homely. But it's well known... For a very particular and tragic event that occurred there with one of the actors from Gladiator. I'm not sure if you've heard about this, but in, I can't remember what year it was. Let me just rack my memory. Most probably 1899, most probably, because that's when Gladiator was shot. Yeah, that's right. And the actor 
who died from, well, I think he died actually on the premises, was called Oliver Reed. Proximo? Yeah, Proximo, who was sort of Goal. the, I don't know if you call him the head trainer or he owned the gladiators that were. He was the guy that bought Maximus and he was the guy yeah. that trained him. He, Maximus belonged to him and mm. when Commodus held the games in Rome, he, you know, said all the people that kind of owned little gladiatoring or had gladiums around, you know, the, the Roman Empire should come to Rome mm. to honor the games for his father. And Proximo owned one of these gladiums and he was the one who brought um, Maximus to Rome. And yeah. he was kind of like, you know, the voice of reason in a way to Maximus, yes. I would like to say. Yes. Um, Oliver Reed, uh, absolutely amazing actor. He played that role. Fucking hell, he, he nailed it through the team. He did really well. He did really yeah. well. I haven't, seen, I haven't seen any of the films that he's featured in, but he, he portrayed that character properly yeah. very, very well. He made very it his bitch. But, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, he actually died from a heart attack during a break from filming Gladiator in Valletta at the pub. What? On the afternoon of the 2nd of May, 99. Shit. And, look, it's sad. It's not something to laugh about obviously, but it's slightly comedic in that he died from excessive alcohol consumption and an arm wrestling match with some young sailors. I don't even know what to say about that. How, how, how do you... I'm very sad that he died because he's an amazing actor, but I don't understand how some people, if I drink too much, I just black out. Then I can't bring a glass to my hand, my face anymore. Yeah. How do you go past that point and continue? Yeah. I don't understand this. Exactly. And I mean, look, he wasn't a spring chicken. He was 61 years old at the time, right? No. And what happened? I can barely drink now. Oh. Uh, I look. I look at the beer and I get a the headache. The devil is busy with lies today. God, I'm telling you, the devil is very busy. <laughs> so, according to witnesses, though, he drank a ridiculous. He drank copious amounts of alcohol. And in fact, you can even buy a t-shirt from the pub with a, a print of everything that he drank that afternoon, which is quite... I don't know how I feel about that. Hey, you know, but, um, in for a penny, in for a pound. The owner saw an opportunity and he turned it into something else. We ain't going to be angry at his hustle. <laughs> this guy steamed the head marker. He must have felt like he was a young man again because he drank Eight pints of German lager, right? Yes, a dozen like shots it. of rum, half a bottle of whiskey. Yes, like it. And a few shots of Hennessy, what? which is cognac. All of this in a drinking match against a group of sailors on shore from a particular vessel. And I think something, it's not excessive, but his bar bill totaled something around, I think like almost 450 quid. Uh, about 600 US dollars. Back in 1999, that is a shitload of money. Yeah, I suppose it is. Now I can easily run up a barbell of 100 pounds without even breaking a sweat. But or it's expensive for a pub as well. I mean, if you're at a cocktail bar or like a fancy bar, you know, you can really rack up an expensive bill. But at a pub, you shouldn't really be paying that much, I don't think. But anyways... You've never been to a pub with me, uh, <laughs> That's the truth. But anyways, after beating five much younger Royal Navy sailors at an arm wrestling match, he suddenly collapsed 
And the sad thing is that he died en route to the hospital in the ambulance. Shit, man. Very sad, lonely way to go. If I had known this, I would have definitely gone and checked it out because I love, 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 you know, the movie so much. And you know, I like to do like little pilgrimages because of certain things. You know, I wanted to go to Japan because of memories of Vegasia. I wanted to go to the Netherlands because of Anne Frank. Yeah. And Vegas because girl Vegas. What happens in Vegas? Yeah. I had to go for that as well. Ooh, I can't wait to tell you all about my time in Vegas. Hey! Because what happens in Vegas, it really does stay in Vegas. But we're going to bring a little bit back. We're going to bring some back to educate the peoples. Not too PG, because I do want to know some saucy Girl, details. I want to know what the you're going to get everything. Everything. Ooh, One like thing that. that I will tell you, just to whet your appetite. Mm. The day after I left Vegas was the day that I found meditation. Because I had to meditate for eight hours straight to stave off my hangover. <laughs> I have never had a hangover like that in my life. Never. I have a similar story on the way back from Tomorrowland winter last year. Where you focus so hard that do not chunder. Eight hours straight, I had to focus on not to chunder. Oh. The story to follow. I'm excited for Vegas, and I'm also excited to tell you about my incredible week at Tomorrowland. Ooh, I can't wait Alps. for the Tomorrowland story. But anyway, oh, man. talking about, you know, drunken adventures. Man, I had such a damn good time when I was in Valletta. Because one thing that was such an awesome thing, the people that I hung out with were majority South Africans. And I remember this one day, we went out for lunch, myself and two South Africans. And the one says he's going to try out rabbit. Uh, yeah. And rabbit is apparently quite famous in Malta. Because apparently the wild rabbit is indigenous to the Maltese island. And it has been there for such a long time that it's now considered part of the island. But they actually come from the Iberian Peninsula. But mm. anyway... So he went and he's, this guy is like, he's going to try some rabbit out today. Okay, interesting. Go, I ask him, why do you want to do this? This is the vegetarian in me speaking. I'm like, why, why? Because you almost view rabbits as like a rodent, kind of, a rodent, a rodent of the field. I don't know. It's just not something that's, it doesn't seem to be appetizing. I don't understand why people have this obsession with wanting to try out like crocodile and rabbit and frogs and why? It's so unnecessary. I've had Warthog once in a game reserve in the East Coast, somewhere in the Eastern Cape in South Africa. And that was very interesting, quite gamey. I don't know how else to describe it. Tasty. When people use the word gamey, I have no idea what they mean by that because I, <laughs> I eat vegetables and that's about it. Okay, well, let me give you an equivalent. Umami. Okay. How else would you describe umami? Did you know you have those um, different sections of taste receptors on your mm -hmm. tongue, right? You can taste like salt and, oh, my mind's gone blank. Spice. And butter and sour uh, and sweet and all of that stuff. and sour. And then one of them is umami. And I, I've got no idea how you would describe that. Umami is like in the back of your, like right at the back. You feel it. You feel it in the back of your mouth, like almost in your neck. That's kind of. We're we talking about umami. 
well, that's umami. That's how you describe umami to someone who doesn't know how to describe umami. It's like you taste it like kind of like in the back of your throat, your neck. It's like a tingling sensation that umami gives you. You have that umami flavor profile on Saturday nights then? Go buy. I, once again, you put in my damn business on glass. <laughs> no, I am not as busy as you think I am. What do you think this is no, a KFC drive-through? <laughs> Please. No, I know you're not that busy. I'm just taking the piss. <laughs> if anything, if we can equate me to a outlet, it would certainly, certainly be noble. No other noble. place. Mm. Girl, just looking at the menu, they're going to charge you. Just looking at the menu, you get a confused boner. <laughs> There's a lot of fish that I can't eat. But talking about weird things so this guy he wanted to try rabbit i'm like god it is so expensive it was 17 euros for rabbit stew or god knows whatever as well oh wow and i told him you know what you enjoy your rabbit girl i'm gonna get me some because malta is very close to italy and there's a lot of influence from italy specifically sicily yeah and you know if you're in sicily you are drinking Italians are very persnickety about, like, drinks that they have. They're very persnickety about the wines. They're like a good Chianti in the north. And in the summer, they, or like after a meal, they'll have like limoncello or some sort of aperitif. Mm-hmm. But something that I kind of fell in love with while I was spending time in Sicily was Aperol Spritz. Girl, I love Aperol Spritz. The perfect summer drink. It's amazing. So yeah. while I was there that day while he was having his habit, I was going ham on the Aperol spirits. Mm-hmm. Man. Don't blame you. I have pictures of myself walking down the streets of Valletta in just my underwear. Broad daylight. <laughs> Broad damn daylight. What? Yes, darling. This is the Queen Diva and you best believer. I'm checking in on your lot and making sure you on the naughty list over on our Patreon. Our Patreon family is on the grow, y'all. And darlings, the Kiki is fabouche over there. We got some exclusive content just for you on our Patreon. And while you're in the mood and loving the Kiki, girl, you can catch us on our social media. We got your IG at the Contrast Podcast. And we got the tweet too, at the Contrast Part 2. That's at the Contrast Part 2. Now, don't come and be shady up on Twitter now. Also, browse our website at www.contrast.net.za to stay inspired. And if you want to say a base with all the tea, sign up to our newsletter to keep your finger on the pulse. And don't forget, we stream on all major streaming platforms. I kid you not. I'm not going to score any. What happened to the rest of your clothes? You just discarded them by the wayside? I don't need these anymore. We were just having an amazing time. The Aperol Spritz was flowing. Before we had the Aperol Spritz, each one bought themselves like a Bailey and a Jack Daniels and a rum. And we were just, we went into the little McDonald's there after the meal. We got ourselves some Coke Mm. and we just like, you know, threw it in there. I do that all the damn time. If anyone sees me in Canal Walk, y'all should know if I'm walking with a McDonald's cup, there's alcohol in it. And no... I don't have a problem. I just like to have a jolly good time. (laughs) (laughs) 
so I don't know how this happened. I don't know what to say to that. Whenever we were in Malt, it's so pretty. We were always doing like little mini photo shoots. And every single time that we were there, we would like explore different bits of Valletta itself. Mm. And I like taking pictures with doors. Girl, that's my thing. I love taking a cute picture with a door. And it looks very Lawrence of Arabia, you know. And the caption in the comment section enter here. Of course, you know, the caption is always something very vague and always very much like you should wonder what it is. Sometimes I read my captions and I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking there? Enter here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. You got me with that part. That was a good one. You got me with that part. (laughs) You know, the portal is open. Come on. Come here for a keyhole moment. <laughs> My God, you stop it now. Okay, sorry. We were just walking through and I was like very skinny mini back in those days. And I was doing handstands against doors and it was just crazy. Sounds crazy. slutty. I have a lot of material for my grinder profile. I was just like, yes, all of these pictures. But it was, we did this every single time that we were in Valletta. We would get <laughs> sloshed off our minds and we would walk around and oh, we would just take like, amazing pics and just sample some little, it's like a snack here and a snack there. I must say that to me personally, mm-hmm. that town was like medication. Okay. It was medication for me. There's very few places that I can say healed me. And my time in Valletta, surely, because at the time I was, I was dealing with a very broken heart and just spending time there with loved ones. Because if you're a friend of mine, you are a loved one. Because I'm very, very choosy with my friends. And I feel very sorry for everyone who is my friend because I see you, I like you, and I keep you for the rest of my life and I don't give you a choice. You mean there's no out? Shit. Oh, no, bitch. There's no out. You stuck with me for the rest of your life. Oh. Even you're going to beat my funeral and I'm going to be like, yes, bitch, I'll see you on the other side. I feel like I, there needs to be prenuptials when it comes to being your friend. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, too. I think so, too. I think so, too. I agree, actually. But being there, it was medication to my soul. Mm. Walking there with friends, just being young and enjoying the summer and eating good food and... That was really what my heart, you know, needed at that time. Yeah. So that place was like medication to me. Yeah. That's good to hear. It's nice when a place is a sanctuary for, a, for your recovering soul. It's, it's special. Then you always have a fond, mm. there's always some fond sentiment that's attached to that place when you return. What was quite striking for me because of my sports background was the water polo culture. I know that's quite different to what you were just saying now, but... Oh, no, you know I like talking about that topic. Yeah, but it really did strike me because coming from Cape Town, we don't have any... We have some really nice tidal pools that you can swim in, some lovely tidal pools, but we don't have any ocean water polo pools. But in Malta, and actually in the Mediterranean, it's quite popular, but in Malta in particular, they have like... I think it's 10 water polo clubs and they've got a really competitive water polo league there. And I wish I knew this before I went. Yeah, yeah. Now you know for the next time. But honestly, Mark, it's seriously, seriously impressive. These water polo clubs on the, on the water's edge. They've got some really, really stunning 
clubs, like the design, the interior, restaurants, beautiful pools. You can, they kind of mark out pools with lane ropes and I think anchor, like attach them to the seabed so that they don't drift away. It's really, really cool. I really enjoyed that. Um, but obviously you can get some really big swell, I think, that blows through what blows around the coastline there, which I think is possibly part of the reason why the water around the marina would be so well maintained and so clean. So if there's so much swell, I think that would probably help. Um, anyway, that was something that really impressed me. And the next time I go, it's going to impress me too. Hey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know you want something pressed on you. No, I'm just going to go for the view. <laughs> Window shopping. Mm. Um, but there was a particular thing that we did, people I was with, that I really enjoyed. It was, look, it's outside of Valletta, so technically it's not part of the city that we're talking about. But it's a really cool thing to do because it's so, you can, you leave from, I think, St. Julian's Bay. And we took power boats to get to this really famous, I don't even know how you describe it other than the name. This place called the Blue Lagoon. Really, really cool. And it's effectively, it's open. It's in the Mediterranean Sea. And it's a very shallow, it's like a shallow bank, sandbank between an island, Camina Island, and some small little surrounding islands. And it's so beautiful. And we caught some, we um, jumped on a powerboat with like four engines and raced from St. Julian's Bay around the coastline in a northwesterly direction until we got, until we went around Camino Island and we got to the Blue Lagoon and that was an awesome day trip. So cool. And I remember that, I think it must have been like 45 minutes to an hour or so of just cruising at a really fast speed. And there was... It must be far. It was far. And I think that's possibly why they had four engines with all the petrol. I don't know, they may have needed a lot of fuel. But in any case, I just remember that the captain of that small vessel, of that power boat, I don't know if you can call him a captain, he probably just needed his day skipper's license. But anyhow, he was this young guy, and he was pumping, like, EDM music, and you know that song, I Took a Pill in Ibiza? Love it. Great track, really cool track. Overplayed now, but still very cool. Quite emotive. And anyways, I remember there was just this moment where we were cruising at a, f a really fast pace on our way to the Blue Lagoon. There was this young guy just pumping that song. I took a pill in Ibiza. It was a beautiful day. You know, the wind and the salt sprays going through your hair. And it's one of those moments in life where you just feel completely relaxed, but also like energized on an essential level. And I just remember thinking to myself, fuck, I just wish that my life could be like this. I can't wait to have more adventures and to be traveling and to do crazy things. And it was kind of like a moment where I dreamed about my future that was to come. And it was quite powerful because I effectively made a decision. I'm going to move overseas and I'm going to have crazy adventures. And mm. that's what the last three or four years have been for me. So it has been a manifestation of that dream that was effectively birthed on that powerboat journey to the Blue Lagoon. What was interesting as well, slightly, I mean, unrelated to my last point, but what was interesting on that powerboat journey, the guy 
the day skipper pointed out the island where Paul the Apostle is rumored to have been passed away. Ah. Um, shipwrecked, sorry. Which is really interesting. Because, I mean, not a lot of people these days would appreciate a man like that because mm. we in the West are moving into effectively the age of secularism. But you still have to give credit where credit is due. He's one of the most influential people in all of history. They gave him the kingdom to heaven. The effect that he had on the advancement of the early church's dogma and traditions and how that shaped Western culture, even today, it still felt. is incredible. And it's, it's still felt. So it was quite interesting to see that that's where he was shipwrecked and um, almost died. I thought you were going to say that's where he died. I was like, well, apparently he's buried in Rome. So I was like, mm. so how did they get him off the island, though? No, well, look, anyone that's shipwrecked is basically, you know, they've had a, an encounter with fate and they've survived. Mm. Think about it. I love that you said that you manifested, you know, your life there. Because it's funny because when you told me about Malta, I was like, man, I really want to go there as well. And I, I'm glad that I got to experience it because it was such a yeah obscure location. And when I try to tell people about Malta... Yeah, because I have heard about the Blue Lagoon. I've just never been there. And when I try to tell people, there's not much mm -hmm. to do, like as in touristic wise in Malta itself. For example, if you're going to go to India, you have to see, you know, the Taj Mahal. Yeah. Or uh, you have to see Agra Fort and those things. But with um, with Valletta, it's it's not the same because the whole town itself is a must-see. Like, I know I'm stressing this point, but the whole place itself part of, like, a living experience. But I think the one thing that if anyone does get a chance to go to Valletta, besides not missing the Blue Lagoon, definitely make a stop at Upper Baraka Gardens. It's absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah. If you are on the top level where the town is, you, it's just a walk. It's not far from the city center. But if you're coming in via a vessel, you have to take up a lift. And it's about like two euros up and coming down, you don't pay for it. Yeah. But the gardens is really, really beautiful. And I don't know, in my mind, I kind of, I'm always, whenever I see gardens, I know this is weird to say this, you know, like, because I've seen some impressive gardens. I've seen the Baha'i gardens in Haifa, Israel, and the two lady gardens, I've been to the one there. And the Baraka Gardens in Valletta. And whenever I see these gardens, I always, in my mind, I always think, what would the hanging gardens of Babylon look like? And mm. I think that if anything comes close to the hanging gardens of Babylon, because it was one of the ancient seven wonders of the world. Oh, wow. In my mind, I feel like the Baraka Gardens is the closest that we can possibly get to it. Because the gardens is like way up. That's so quite high up from like ground level. Did you kind of get that as well when you were there? Well, look, I, I didn't think of the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, but I think you're more of a history enthusiast than I am, or at least that I was at the time. But it was certainly impressive. And I just appreciate the fact that there was these beautiful gardens that were elevated. I'm a big fan of a high point. I love vantage points looking out over beautiful views. Mm. And I will hike a whole day just to get up to a vantage point. It's, it's something that I find a lot of enjoyment and 
I suppose, meaning in. But it's great that these gardens are beautiful and that you have a vantage point. So for me, it was just awesome experience. I must say, though, and I don't think you may have done this because you haven't brought it up. Another thing that you should do if you are in Valletta is go to a place called the Malta Experience. No, I didn't. I didn't get to do that. The Malta Experience is akin to the IMAX that we used to. I don't think we have one anymore that we used to have in the waterfront here in Cape Town. We do have IMAX. We do have IMAX, but it's not where it used to be anymore. It's now in the northern suburbs. Well, the Malta Experience is like an IMAX. I don't know how you would even describe that. It's a huge... It's like a cinema, but... It's just more... It takes up your field of vision. Like, yeah. your eyes, you will have, sometimes you have to turn your head to see things. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's what the name sort of suggests. I haven't actually thought of that before. But anyhow, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of that. I never drew that association. However, it's just incredible because it's like, I can't recall the duration precisely. I think it was about an hour and a half, maybe two hours. But it was a movie that explained the history of Malta. Now, I know on face value that may sound really boring because who wants to listen to an hour and a half or watch an hour and a half video on the history of a small island in the Mediterranean. But what you don't know is that Malta, as I said previously in the beginning of this conversation, has been the center of conflict for more than 2,000 years. I mean, you listed some of the empires occupied empires yeah you know the empires that occupied malta and it has just been subject to you know occupation after occupation after occupation and war after conflict after war it's just it is fascinating and i don't even think it was that expensive i can't recall exactly i just remember it being affordable and that's something that if even you marco if you do get back there next season i'd really suggest going you'd find it Quite spectacular. Yeah, I definitely want to go back to Malta again. It's, I feel like I've only scraped the surface of Malta. I don't know about you. I feel like there's so much more that I would want to do. Yeah, I feel the same. One thing that was very fascinating was the language as well. So I kind of want to be there and hear the language because, as you mentioned, it's been occupied for a huge portion of history and the language that they speak is Maltese and it basically, it originated in like Arabic. Yeah. And then, you know, some Sicilian words got thrown in there and some Italian words got thrown in there and a little bit of English and in between. Mm. Interesting. So it's kind of like Arabic, but a westernized version of Arabic. And they don't use the same alphabet as, you know, standard Arabic in the Middle East. It's the only branch of that language that is written in like Latin text. So that's something that I kind of want to be around because, you know, I like languages as well. Oh. And I like chatting to people and the language sounded very interesting. Not that I will learn it, but yeah. it sounded very interesting to me. So I feel like I only really scraped the surface of Malta. And I don't know about you, but I would love to go back Well, that's a wrap for today. If you enjoyed our conversation, please leave us a five-star review and drop us a spicy comment. Also, we got you good on social media, so check us out on IG at The Contrast Podcast. 
and we got Twitter as well. So pop us a tweet at the contrast part two. That's at the contrast part two. So get involved and spread the word about the contrast podcast to your friends, family, and colleagues. Share the love, Judies, and remember, don't be good when you can be great.